0: The Warriors at Ease training gave me the permission that I was looking for, even though I really didn't need it from anyone else. It gave me the permission to slow down. I have injuries that I've had most of my life, stemming from bike slash car accident in second grade, to life in the military for 10 years, to being just active skier, cyclist, you know, things that are physically demanding. And what I have found through Warriors at Ease training is that I can go at my own pace.
1: I'm your host, Derek Van De Walker, and I'm honored to be focusing on an eight-part series this month with the nonprofit Warriors at Ease, which brings the power of yoga and meditation to military communities around the world through training, advocacy, programs, and partnerships. Today's guest is Dennis Kerr, whose military experience and yogic path have been intertwined ever since he enlisted in the Army and was deployed in Iraq in 2002. While overseas, he became inspired by the international bestseller, Autobiography of a Yogi by Yogananda, which ultimately led him to the Rodney Yee Introduction to Yoga videos. Over time, the discipline of his military experience, musical background, and yoga practice all evolved together through the experience of the breath. So Dennis, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here.
1: So could you tell me a little bit about who is Dennis Kerr and what's your role and connection to the military?
0: So I joined the military in 2002 as an army musician. I was in Sparks, Nevada, and didn't really have a whole lot of motivated direction in my life of where I wanted to go. And so I was looking at different options. I remember hearing an army band come to my high school and I enjoyed what they were playing and I thought okay at the time I was in band in high school that was probably my most successful subject in high school and then my dad was like well that's an option and so I thought about it and decided to audition for the army band field and so auditioned for it it worked out and then that was in February 2002 and so I Went to the former Armed Forces School of Music in Little Creek, Virginia, at the Naval Amphibious Base. And then started my Army life at Fort Hood, Texas, and went to Iraq. And there, Iraq was instrumental for me in kind of honing in the path of yoga. Because both the path of yoga and my Army experience are side by side. So I was in, in training and had my first Hatha yoga class. And then that kind of shaped the rest of my Army career. Now, I say it shaped it because I was really involved in yoga after that first one got hooked on it. And then that influenced my music with breathing because being playing a wind instrument involves focused breathing, concentrated breathing. And so that helped enhance it. And for the rest of the 10 years that I was in the Army, my military experience is directly intertwined with. My yoga experience, it's hard for me not to mention one without the other.
1: If you could speak to a minute about how you mean they're intertwined and side by side. Give us a little more detail about how you got pulled into yoga while you were in the military.
0: Before I joined from an ex-girlfriend, because she was doing yoga and like, hey, what are you doing? What's that? Yoga. Okay. Don't know what it is, but it looks cool. And then later on, as we were deployed to Iraq, I saw in a Jamie Avers jazz books catalog. They had a self-help section. And in there were some yoga books. One was Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. And that is a pretty famous book. It has a lot of fascinating, miraculous stories in it. And so I read that while deployed to Iraq for a couple of weeks and was very intrigued by the stories. And I wanted to learn more. And so during that first deployment, I actually got some friends. We did a Rodney Yee. Video. I remember doing that a couple times while there. Once we got back from deployment, I went to a yoga service through Self Realization Fellowship, which was the organization founded by Yogananda. And I've been attending those since then. And I'd say that that's directly influenced it because there's discipline involved in both military disciplines, more group dynamic, group discipline. And as a musician, it's also individual and group, but you know, with the focus of the postures, which I did also side by side with physical fitness training as well. So I guess there's a lot there that's intertwined. And I'm only looking at the physical aspect right now, but there's a lot in terms of breath with trumpet playing, in terms of body awareness with breathing while enhancing the army physical fitness training tests, like being able to improve my fitness training with the practice of yoga because I was focusing on how my body is moving and how I'm breathing as I'm going through those exercises, as well as in the moment when, okay, there's a intense scenario, like maybe we're on a convoy and you have to stay focused and calm. Steady breathing is not just a marksmanship thing, but it's also a yogic practice to help anchor us in the present moment and in what's happening, you know, situational awareness, yoga style.
1: So how do you feel the practice of yoga is relevant for the military community and sort of the first responder communities?
0: Well, when situations get intense, it serves as an anchor to not be caught up in the intensity of the moment, whether it's just the stress from bombs are coming in you know, got to get to the rendezvous point, being able to do that, which you get trained on anyways through the military, but I think yoga helps enhance it more with the fact that you're able to stay focused on the breath as you're moving to whatever situational point you're at in an intense situation. So with that, I'm able to just play, okay. Once the, you know, nerves pop in the adrenaline, epinephrine starts pumping, and you can actually help calm the sympathetic nervous system, so that way it can be more in the parasympathetic, and the breath is the key component to help with that, with concentration, and being able to calm the nerves, and to focus on the task at hand.
1: Yeah, and so I think it makes total sense As you're referring, not everyone's got bombs blowing up next to them, but clearly in the military and first responder communities, I could see that when things get really intense, the ability to stay focused, stay as calm as you can is absolutely critical and it's life and death. What are examples of you being able to, to tap into that in just your daily living and just your day to day when you're getting worked up and you're able to balance that out?
0: Yes, definitely. I minored in psychology in my undergraduate studies. And with having some definite childhood complex trauma, whether it's heated conversation or whether it's with a boss or with a coworker, I'm able to feel the tension building within my body and to be like, okay, this is coming. Where is it? Where is it coming from? How is my breathing? How can I steady it? Where is it at? And then that helps me to be like, "Okay, what do I need to do to calm it down? Do I need music? Do I need to go hit something? Do I need to go for a walk, go for a run? What's the intensity I need, or what's the calmness that I need? What's the type of activity to help neutralize what's happening right now, whether it's being reacting from words that someone said because that triggered a previous event, and that got me irritated and it made me want to lash out onto them, or at least I can know I'm like, okay, this is a reaction, this is a physiological reaction that is happening right now. So, okay, let's breathe through this. Let's concentrate through it. Let's see what I can do to neutralize it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you've developed some great self-awareness and willing to figure out what you need in that moment to balance yourself back out. You know, yoga is great for integrating mind-body experience, but you have these sort of micro integrations day-to-day, minute-to-minute on knowing where you're at and what you need. What does integration mean to you in your practice and along your path? Multiple
0: things. One, it's helpful to look at different aspects of my life. I have different things I'm looking at. I've taught social uh, partner dancing like salsa swing and, and that category of ballroom and social dancing for at least a decade. And I modified based off my experience of going to Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, and trying Tai Chi for the first time. And so integration is what I've done into some of that Tai Chi practice, which still for me is through a yogic lens. So I'm doing Tai Chi, you know, it's based in Chinese philosophy and movement and that sort of stuff. And in a category of internal martial arts. And I am looking at, okay, how does this look into my trumpet practice? How can I do this into bicycling up a steep mountain or turning you know, corners on a bike or even navigating the corner in the car? So it's navigating all the different practices that looking at and seeing how can I bring them together, which is monumental. <laughs>
1: So how are you currently sharing and practicing yoga? Currently,
0: it's moved to an online format. Earlier in this year, like a few months ago, I was offering trauma-informed yoga to the veterans who were at the local sheriff's department incarcerated there. And that's how I was doing that, which was because of the Warriors that he's training, the yoga training I took from that organization, and merging that also with just slow Tai Chi movement and just the foundation of alignment and movement, both with Tai Chi and yoga, for them. Now, I'm currently adjunct faculty for the Yoga Foundation's remote class through Naropa University. And it's also the yoga program that I went through.
1: So in your practice and in some of the teaching you've done, and let me just clarify, you've done the Warriors at Ease training. Have you done any other yoga teacher training?
0: It's a thousand-hour certificate and a degree through Naropa University. I've done that. I did like a couple days of another 300-hour training through Shannon and Earth Yoga Colorado. And I'm a student of Yogananda's, but that's not so much certificate, just, you know, life practice.
1: In the yoga that you practice, and the yoga that you teach, and the yoga that you really enjoy doing, can you define what your style of yoga might be if you could, or is it more a mix of different things that you've taken away from other practices? It's
0: definitely a mix. Even in the neuropat yoga training, it's a dynamic, there's a still practice, there's various practices within that, And for me, I've gravitated towards more of the Ghosh yoga system, which is more health-based. So it's a slower base. It's based in the Yengar. I mean, there's it's quite all over the board, basically.
1: I think a lot of people, it is quite subjective. I mean, they might go to a yoga class and do a certain vinyasa class or an Ashtanga class or Anusara yoga or Bikram. But when you really get into yoga, you kind of find yourself pulling and grabbing different aspects at different practices and you start to make it your own. So how has the Warriors at Ease training helped you and ways to help other people start a yoga practice and learn how to manage themselves in life itself?
0: Just to start with, the Warriors at Ease training specifically, I think gave me the permission that I was looking for, even though I really didn't need it from anyone else. But it gave me the permission to slow down and then a way to go through with, because you know, you have the more popularized version of what asana is supposed to look like and that kind of stuff and the different postures and that sort of thing. And I have injuries that I've had most of my life stemming from bike slash car accident in second grade to life in the military for 10 years to being just active skier, cyclist, you know, things that. Are physically demanding. And what I have found through Warriors at Ease training is that I can go at my own pace. I don't have to go based off a style. And so to be able to go through a sequence and maybe change up the pace, like maybe I'm doing a slow, more contemplative-based yoga practice, and then all of a sudden I'm like, no, I want to switch it up right now in this moment. And I can do that if it's aligned with my body's constitution, the way I'm feeling in the moment, that kind of stuff. It's helped me to do my yoga practice and start it and end it however I want in terms of the physical postures. and In terms of those intense scenarios, that inner resource, that anchor that is very instrumental through Hoyer City's classes, I've used that in so many different ways including a fellow veteran yogi who went through her teacher training, and who I've known for at least a decade now, she was wanting to get some one-on-ones with me. And although we never did any of the postures, we looked at breathing, we looked at mental focus, in intense situations of, you know, finding an anchor, finding that inner resource, which has been helpful when there are some days that I can't do my full quote-unquote practice that I want to do. And yet, to be okay with that,
1: I know from my own experience you realize either what's my energy level, my fatigue, if I'm recovering from a previous workout, can I keep up with the momentum with the instructor? I mean, I've been doing yoga for a while, but I still like you and like many of us have injuries that sometimes can slow down or inhibit our ability to move with a class. And at a certain point in the class, I'll just realize that I'm going to back off doing X, Y, and Z. And I think developing that sense of agency doesn't happen right away. In the beginning, you're just trying to follow what you're supposed to be doing. But at a certain point, you realize what you can and can't do or what you shouldn't be doing. And I would imagine it's hard instilling that sense of control and autonomy in a new student. Have you had experiences where you've helped students understand that ultimately it's their decision what they want to do and realize that, even if they're just learning and new to yoga, they can be more in control than they probably realize.
0: Yes, basing off where your breath is and where your body is is probably the most important thing. Just moving into something and that gradual going into something. I was like, oh, so for example, the crow pose. Well, the first thing to do would be to just simply put weight on your hands and see how that feels. Don't even worry about trying to lift the legs off the ground, just simply put weight on the hands. Gradually, what does that look like from your feet? You know, Keep the feet on the ground and just kind of slowly move into it. And that's probably the simplest thing, no matter what the posture, is to go into it as if you haven't gone into it and go gradually into it and then when you feel more comfortable over time in repeated instances, to turn up the intensity slowly. Because the thing is, you know, we want to go right into that posture or we want to go right into that. And that's where injuries happen. It's like, no, there has to be that gradual way into it and repetition over time. And then next thing you know, oh, all of a sudden you'll be doing it. And so I think going back to how we learn to walk as babies is a good way to approach a yoga class, to go into it as if you're just learning how to crawl, and that's something that I found most beneficial in my practice recently since doing the Warrior Cities training. It's given me that permission to go into it as slow as I need.
1: Do you find that both men and women tend to have the same challenges? And and I'm thinking here around that you're sort of newer students versus your experienced students.
0: It's similar in the sense of going into something and being excited about the practice and going into it and then wanting to do those Instagram looking postures and, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, like anatomically, our bones are designed differently. There's different structural things that we have to look at. And the typical thing of like, oh, I'm not flexible enough. It's like, well, my, our yoga professor, the neuro yoga professor, he's like, blessed are the stiff. <laughs> because that gives you something to work with. Whereas those who are more flexible, They have to work to get to that level, whereas others, you know, it's all of a sudden, you know, they're right there, you know, in forward fold, instead of being like over and touching their toes, they're moving barely an inch forward, and then they're feeling it in different parts of the body, and that's good, you know, because it's not about the flexibility, it's about the awareness of where your body is and where your breath is.
1: Yeah, I like that. Well, Dennis, this has been great. I've appreciated the time you've given us to share your story and your thoughts on your yoga practice. Thank you for joining us. Good luck with your path with Naropa. And I look forward to catching up again in the future.
0: Yeah, thanks, Derek. Appreciate this.
1: All right, man. Be well. Thank you. So as you continue to work on your yoga practice, remember, you have the permission to go at your own pace. Whether you're in a studio, watching a class online, Or jamming on your own at home. Ultimately, it's your decision to do what you want and where you want to take it. Check out our next guest, Dave Truesdale, who spent over 27 years with the Department of the Navy as a special agent with the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, NCIS. This is a conversation you don't want to miss.